Do you like free stuff? I do. BlueprintMCAT.com. Go sign up for a free account. Get access to Blueprint MCAT's Diagnostic, Blueprint MCAT's Full Length One, Blueprint MCAT's amazing brand new space repetition platform with over 1,600 flashcards already made for you, as well as their amazing study planner tool. Schedule out the content so you know if you are on track to take the MCAT when you need to. Again, that's blueprintmcat.com for all of those free goodies. The MCAT Podcast, session number 190. A collaboration between the medical school headquarters and Blueprint MCAT. The MCAT Podcast is free MCAT prep to help you understand the MCAT, teach you how to break down questions, and give you the skills and confidence to get the score you want on your MCAT test day. Learn more about Blueprint MCAT at blueprintprep.com slash MCAT. Welcome to the MCAT Podcast. My name is Dr. Ryan Gray, your host here every week. I'm joined by Phil from Blueprint MCAT, formerly Next Step Test Prep. And we are continuing our fun deep dive into Blueprint MCAT Full Length 1, ChemPhys Passage 6. Phil, back for some more MCAT podcast, breaking down Blueprint MCAT, formerly Next Step Test Prep, Full Length 1. How are you today? I'm doing great. Doing great. I'm excited. We're going to spend some time here talking about some hydrophobic molecules, some terpenes, um, which may not sound exciting to most people, but eh, it's kind of a fun thing. <laughs> yeah, it doesn't sound fun to me. So uh, I'm excited for some torture today. <laughs> um, all right. So right off the bat, when when a student like flips the page in, on the MCAT and they get to this and they start reading passage six here and they go terpenes and that like there's like a trigger warning like oh, terpenes, I hate terpenes. Like what do you recommend students do when they start reading something that they they quote unquote know that they hate? Well, I mean, that could be better than a different scenario when you come across something you're like, I didn't know this existed, <laughs> which also happens on the MCAT yep. where you like look at the next passage and they're bringing up something that you've never heard of. So like you may hate this, but at least you've heard of it, right? Yep. The enemy, you know, but I also looking at this passage overall, and this is something I see in a lot of kind of orgo focused passages. There's a lot of figure to this mm. and not a lot of like paragraph to this. Okay. Um, definitely compared to some other passages. And so I find that students are able to get through passages like this quite a bit quicker mm. um, because like figures just take less time to kind of like look at and understand. If they tried to explain every step of this in words, that's going to take a lot more time and be a lot more difficult. So I kind of look at this as an opportunity to maybe try to get ahead of the curve when it comes to timing, um, just kind of like paying attention to that. And you can you can maybe get ahead of time a little bit. So this kind of seems like maybe an opportunity um, to help out with timing, especially if you're feeling a little bit rushed. You might be kind of excited to see a passage like this. <laughs> okay. All right. Let's go ahead and jump into that one. All right. So start off, we have terpenes have been found to be essential building blocks of complex hormones and molecules, pigments, sterols, and even vitamins. Terpenes also play an incredibly important role by providing protection from bacteria and fungus. Um, terpenes have a basic structure of repeating isoprene or C5N8N or H8N units. Um, and they are grouped according to the number of these repeating units. Monoterpenes contain two iso isoprene units. Examples include menthol and pinene. Um, vitamin 1A, a diterpene, consists, or contains four isoprene 
units. Research has revealed the isoprene rule, which states that adjacent isoprene units and terpenes are linked preferentially between carbon atoms located at opposite ends of the isoprene structural subunit. Head-to-head and tail-to-tail connections are rare exceptions of this rule. So overall, this is kind of talking about just kind of this like repeating structure going through here. They they mentioned vitamin 1A, they mentioned menthol, which is probably something you've heard about at some point. Um, but they're saying that this has a lot of roles, right? Like there's hormones and pigments and vitamins, um, and it helps protect you against bacteria and fungi. Mm. And so incredibly important thing, and there's a lot of like stuff that's kind of connected to this. And so it's something you want to be at least aware of it existing um, as you kind of jump in here. Yeah. Um, they give you vitamin 1A here, which is retinol. And so they're they're giving you this as well. And just, just a note, if you're listening to this in the podcast, we have been since the start of going through this full length, we've been recording the video as well, which you can get at premed.tv. Great plug. Um, sometimes I forget to mention that. Like <laughs> a lot of times I'm going to be like, just like pointing at the molecule and be like, well, look <laughs> at this. And people are going to be like, what, what is he talking about? Yeah. Um, so we have this um, vitamin 1A, we have pinene and cantharidin. Um, not really sure what's going on with a lot of these molecules. I expect to see a question about some of them, probably especially vitamin A, because there's, you know, that's biologically relevant. Pinene, I don't know if that's biologically relevant or not. That's probably something that's in pine trees. Uh, <laughs> it sounds, so. it's, what, it's the, the compound that makes pine scent. Yeah, it's what's on those like those little trees hanging from the taxi cab <laughs> or the stuff that gets on your hands and like exactly. sticky and stinks. Um, so moving on, we have this in human metabolism, the beta carotene A, a 40 carbon terpene compound one figure two is utilized as a precursor for the synthesis of vitamin A1. So this is kind of, you know, taking this general terpene stuff and now we're kind of crossing the line into like metabolism and like creating subunits and breaking things down and so it kind of seems like a logical place for this to go Mm -hmm. so retinol um note you know i remember last week we talked about anything ending in own being a ketone anything ending in al is going to be an aldehyde which is going to be a double bond oxygen but on the end of a carbon chain so Retinol is a key intermediate of vitamin A biosynthesis. The biosynthetic pathway by which retinol is synthesized in vivo from beta carotene has been identified by using specifically um, O18 labeled oxygen and O18 labeled water. And so basically they're just trying to introduce that we've figured out what this reaction is and we've, we've, we've grafted it out. <laughs> here. Um, I don't really expect to have to come back to this paragraph hardly at all. Mm-hmm. Um, because everything that they're talking about here is something that they just showed us in the reaction. Um, okay. But as we look at this, we have all of these steps, E1, I'm guessing that's some enzyme one mm-hmm. that they've added in here. Maybe they're going to ask us about what this enzyme is. Um, and then after that, we have all of these compounds, noting that in the second last, we have retinol, which is an aldehyde, just as we expect. And then we're also going to have retinol, which is an alcohol, makes sense with it ending in OL as well. Um, and then they actually do give us a little information about what these, these enzymes are. So we have the beta carotene 15, 15 monooxygenase, and enzyme two, which is the last step, is the retinol dehydrogenase. My favorite kinds of enzymes, the dehydrogenases. 
Yes, there's a lot of them. Yeah, uh, we go especially way back. if you're looking at like Krebs cycle and <laughs> there's a lot of metabolic diseases. Yeah, um, built around dehydrogenases. Yep. Okay. So, wow, we got some questions. All right. So, question thirty-one: Which of the following reagents could be used to complete the final step of retinol synthesis shown in Figure Two? A uh, L I L L A L H four is that lithium aluminum hydroxide? What is uh, lithium aluminum hydride? Hydride. Okay. Um, B is ozone O three. Yep. C is H two with was that palladium PD? Yeah, yeah, palladium. Palladium. How did I know that? Anyway, um, you've, you've been buying some expensive jewelry. I'm betting you're all blinged out like Mr. T. No. Uh, and then <laughs> D is potassium uh, magnesium MN. And then what's O four? Uh, yeah. So the MnO four is a polyatomic ion permanganate. Permanganate. Okay. Potassium permanganate. There we go. Ah, yeah. Gotta gotta know these words. Um, so yeah, which of the following reagents? So <clears throat> used to complete the final step of retinol synthesis shown in figure two. So the question is the question asking, and, then, and this is always the first step, right? What is what is the question asking? Yeah, is yeah. what the, are you looking for? Is the question asking what could replace the NADH and that enzyme 2 that they have listed there? Like, what is yeah. something else that can do that? Yeah, basically, what okay. if we wanted to do this in a laboratory setting rather than inside a okay. cell? Okay. I, I think it's very easy, again, for a student who's going pretty quickly through this to go, oh, wait, well, like... The, the question potentially could be asking what comes next after that. So you have retinol, right. what's after that? And I'm like, wait a minute, I don't know. Um, okay, so really the question is potentially what is similar enough to NADH potentially uh, and retinol dehydrogenase? What, what may that look like? And my guess is that we'd have to look at the structures and go, okay, what's happening here? And really the only thing that I see that's happening is this double bond O at the end of retinol gets changed into the alcohol group at the end of retinol, uh, mm -hmm. the vitamin A. And so at, <laughs> leading back on chemistry and all that fun stuff, the question is, what could force that transition? Is that basically what I'm trying to figure out? That's basically it. Turning that aldehyde into an alcohol. Okay. Um, yeah. Uh, I don't know. <laughs> so, so what's, what's actually, is, is there anything that we're adding or removing to this in terms of like an atom, like chloride, obviously there's no chlorides added, but correct. We do add something onto that. Are we adding the hydrogen? The hydrogen. Yeah. And so this is a reduction reaction. Okay. Um, and if some students are really comfortable with redox stuff, then they'll be like, oh, I need a reducing agent because I'm going from an aldehyde to an alcohol. And like, that's great. That's awesome. Um, but even if you're like really not sure where to go from this, note that we're adding a hydrogen to this. Mm. And so it's probably going to be something with a hydrogen, mm. um, which once again, puts us at a 50-50. It's a great place to be. I'm adding a hydrogen to something. 
just by looking at the picture, I can eliminate B and D because those don't have any hydrogens. Um, notice that B and D are actually oxidizing agents and having a lot of oxygens is a good way to like indicate something's an oxidizing agent. And that's yeah. actually gonna take it in the other direction, going from the alcohol to the aldehyde. So we're looking at for a reducing agent, which leaves us with A or C. Okay. Now beyond that, it's a little bit tricky. It does require a little bit more specific knowledge. Once again, the MCAT, a lot of times just kind of like looking at something and figuring and puzzling, you can be like, well, I'm down to these two. These two <laughs> only are the only ones that make sense. Yeah. But then to like make that last push to like knowing exactly what the answer is requires a little bit more specific knowledge. And so H2 and palladium is a very powerful reducing agent. And it's, it is going to turn uh, a carbonyl or an aldehyde into an alcohol, but it's also going to add hydrogens to every single double bond and turn them into single bonds. Mm. And so that's probably not going to work here because our product has, what is that? Like, you know, one, two, three, Lots. four, five double bonds. Yep. And so if we used uh, hydrogen and palladium, it's going to get rid of this. We're not going to have retinol at the end of this. We're going to have some other compound. And is that is that something that most students should be learning in their chemistry, biochemistry, organic chemistry kind of classes? Yeah. Yeah. The H2 okay. and palladium the, shows up a lot in orgo as just the way to get rid of double bonds. And okay. so there's a good chance a student saw that in orgo one or orgo two. Okay. Awesome. And so that would leave us with A as the answer. Right. Exactly. Lithium aluminum hydride. Is there potentially a way to get to the lithium aluminum hydride without knowing the H2 with palladium? Um, probably not. Okay. Because cause A and C are both reducing agents. And like, I think the, cause they're both going to turn this aldehyde into an alcohol, okay. but just the palladium <laughs> is going to go a little bit farther. Okay. This is too far, too extreme. Yeah. It's, too, it's, it's like trying extreme. to warm up your house and you light it on fire. It's like, too much, <laughs> too much. Pull it back right. a little. Okay. Right. So definitely. And this is where we talk a lot about what the MCAT is or isn't. And there's a big uh, Twitter stuff going on with the MCAT and Khan Academy and all this other stuff with, right. with um, some, some people are saying the MCAT is really just a reasoning test, a logic test, and you don't need any sort of background knowledge. I'm like, well, well no, no, no. <laughs> right. It is a critical thinking kind of a reasoning test and you have to know the background knowledge. Yeah. And it's a, a lot of times the reasoning, you have to know like a bunch of like little things in order to kind of put stuff together um, sometimes you'll see a question that in order to answer it, you need to know about kidneys, you need to know about hormones, you need to know about how like proteins work yep. and like individual amino acids. And so just kind of like building on that, that's also something that I've seen with a lot of students where they like, you know, they work hard and they learn a lot um, over the course of like a month and then they take a test and their score goes nowhere. Mm. And that that really kind of like brings you down a little bit, but that doesn't mean you didn't learn anything. Like, let's say I needed to know three things to answer this question. Yep. And like, I didn't know any to start with. And now I know two of those three things. I still don't get the question. Um, <laughs> so you have to sometimes like pushing, you have to like get enough information that you can kind of start putting things together and making those connections. So yep. that's why a lot of times student scores kind of plateau at first and then kind of like sharply increase a little bit later on in their prep. Um, so just a heads up to anybody yep. who is uh, prepping right now and feeling like, ah, like I'm spending so much time. My scores aren't doing anything. You are getting better. It's just yeah. not necessarily showing up quite yet. It's, it's funny when you said that the, 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 thing that immediately jumped into my head is that 
image of the the dude with the axe digging for like the treasure the diamonds mm-hmm. and he he gets to within like six feet of the diamonds and is like oh i give up uh i'm gonna turn around when all he needed to do is just like a couple more swings of that axe he would have gotten there right S- students don't understand that 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 really the the analogy to that is is as you're studying as you're taking practice tests you're getting closer and closer to that treasure uh, don't don't give up and don't don't think you're not uh, gaining ground. Yeah, and that's that's something that's a little bit hard for students because in undergrad, a lot of times they're running into stuff that like this question is asking about just a single thing. Yeah, and if you know that thing, you get the point. Yeah. The the MCAT is a little bit more difficult because sometimes you have to like apply data and you have to know like two or three like little things in order to actually put it together. Thanks, MCAT. Yeah. <laughs> All right. Question 32. Let me go and read this one. So which of the following biological substances are likely derived from terpenes? We have aldosterone, glucose, insulin, and estrogen. And then a bunch of different combinations of those four answer choices. Roman numeral question. I love the Roman numeral ones, says no one ever. Um, so the the first thing that popped up to me and I scrolled back up to the top of the passage here was I remember that the first sentence here mentioned something about complex hormones. All right, it says terpenes have been found to be essential building blocks of complex hormones and molecules, pigments, sterols, and even vitamins. So then I go here, which of the following biological substances are likely derived from terpenes? I'm like, ooh. So aldosterone, glucose, insulin, estrogen. I'm like, darn it. A lot of those are hormones. (laughs) (laughs) I thought it was going to be an easy one. And then I'm like, oh. Um, (sighs) Yeah. So... So again, my my pre-med brain is going, okay. It says essential building blocks of complex hormones. Maybe some of these are not complex hormones um, <laughs> that I could, I could figure out. Uh, but yeah, uh, the glu- is glucose a hormone? I don't think so. Glucose is obviously sugar. Um, so may- maybe because glucose isn't a hormone, I'll throw that one out. Um, estrogen obviously is a hormone. So four, maybe I would keep that. D is the only one that has estrogen in there. Uh, aldosterone is a hormone, I think. Right? Mm-hmm. Obviously, we know uh, aldosterone and its importance and kidney function and all kinds of stuff like that. So that's a hormone as well. So complex hormones, okay. So one and four are definitely hormones. And the passage told me that terpenes are important for hormones. The The one that I'm left with is insulin so the question is is insulin a hormone um that's a weird question i've never really thought of insulin as a hormone so i don't know uh but because one and four i know are hormones i'm gonna just pick d and move on yeah so once again correct answer yeah um it is a little bit tricky note that they don't say like this is useful for like energetics or building carbohydrates or anything like that. So crossing out glucose is a great thing. And that's just from like outside. Like I just know that glucose is a sugar and that's probably not a hormone. Yeah. Um, and so from there you can eliminate a and C and you're down to B and D and it's a 50, 50. Um, the thing is aldosterone, insulin, estrogen, all three hormones. Um, so it makes it a little bit trickier, but, um, 
there are different kinds of hormones based on what they're made out of. And mm -hmm. so the real key here is just like looking at what these molecules look like. They're all giant, like hydrophobic carbons and hydrogens. They're not really made of anything else. Um, maybe an oxygen mm -hmm. in there. So those are going to, that kind of implies to me that we're going to be dealing with a steroid hormone, which are these large hydrophobic molecules. Um, basically aldosterone, testosterone, progesterone, cortisone, and cortisol, and then estrogen. And so good, good idea if it ends in own or is like estrogen, <laughs> then it's probably a steroid hormone. Yeah. Um, all the other ones, I would generally lean towards being a peptide hormone. So that's like insulin, glucagon, ADH, adrenocorticotropic releasing hormone, TSH, um, luteinizing hormone, follicle stimulating yep. hormone, just like tons of them. There's probably dozens if not hundreds of them and so the like just kind of like looking at this and be like ah oh, it's a pretty hydrophobic molecule it's probably going to be a steroid hormone aldosterone and estrogen yep. make a lot of sense for that yeah okay peptide hormone that's the that's what i was thinking of there we go all right yeah Question 33, the enzyme listed in step one of the retinol synthesis listed is most likely classified as A or AN, A transferase, B lysase, C isomerase, or D ox, uh, oxidoreductase. Is that how you say that? Oxidoreductase. Mm -hmm. um, all right. So we go back to step one of the retinol synthesis so this is figure two again if you're listening and not watching you should go watch as well uh premed.tv that's where you go watch um so step one of the retinol synthesis so i'm assuming this is enzyme one here's what it's asking um and it gives us the name of this enzyme one, beta carotene fifteen fifteen monooxygenase. Is that is that the the question? Like, what is that? What kind of enzyme is that? Yeah, like what classification would that enzyme yeah. fit into? Okay, so taking a look at the molecule before the enzyme takes it, it shows us what it does. It looks like. Um, it is adding a an oxygen here. Water water's coming in and adding oh man, adding this two alcohol groups in the middle here. Is that an okay way to say that? Yep. Somewhere. Um Oh man. So you already told us at some point that oh i don't know i was gonna say you, you, you talked to us about reduction enzymes uh for this last step to where the o gets the oh and it kind of looks like that's what's happening there's a it's a reduction maybe so d is the only one that has says redu reductase i'm like oh maybe that's it right um Isomerase just doesn't sound right. It's like isomers, isomerase. I don't. That doesn't sound very, uh, very real. Lysase, like ly lysing things, like to me sounds like splitting them, cutting them. I don't see potentially anything like that happening. Um, 
transferase. Like, what's transferring here? I don't know, transferring. So I'm going to go with my oxyreductase and, and move on. No, you're absolutely right. <laughs> so an oxidoreductase, this means it does some form of a redox reaction. It could be oxidation, could be reduction, either mm. way. We already talked about that last step where we add, added a hydrogen. Another way to think about that is removing a bond to oxygen. Mm-hmm. So if you remove a bond to oxygen, that's a reduction. If you add a bond to oxygen, that's an oxidation. And so the reverse of that last step would be an oxidation. And so would the very first step of this reaction, because we have like this molecule that has no oxygens on it. And then all of a sudden it's got a bond to oxygen in that first step. Mm-hmm. And so that's going to be an oxidation reaction, which means this is an oxidoreductase. Um, I like that you looked at lyase and you're like, that sounds like lice. It's going to mm-hmm. break stuff. And so that's going to be the, what is that? One, two, three. That's the third reaction that we have going on there. It's a lyase where we cut this molecule basically in half. And now we have two retinaldehydes, mm-hmm. um, not actually aldehydes, just retinal. Um, and then isomerase is just going to move things within the compound, but it's not going to create a new, it's not adding stuff. It's not moving or removing things. It's just moving stuff around within this, you know, kind of like moving a chair in your living room. So if I move like a carbon from one spot to another, that would be an isomerase, just switching it to a different isomer of that reaction. Transferase is just going to add some functional group. It's going to add a carboxylic acid or a phosphate or a sulfate or something, something weird. Um, which is not the case here. <laughs> okay. Wow. All right. So it's just, it's so nice when you have all the time in the world, you can kind of just talk through every, every answer choice. Yeah. I, I actually, I really like that you like looked at the enzyme name and you're like mono oxygenase, right? So <laughs> like, honestly, like if you're adding oxygens or anything with oxy, like I kind of like a redox reaction from that. Mm-hmm. That didn't even occur to me to like, just go look at the name of the enzyme and see if I can make a connection there. Yeah. But that was your first gut reaction. I'm like, Ooh, that's actually really smart. <laughs> I, it's a better way to do that than, than what I was thinking. I'm just a smart dude. <laughs> making it up as I go. Yeah, uh, there you go. <laughs> question 34, go ahead. So a researcher seeks to monitor the conversion of retinal to retinol using IR spectroscopy or infrared spectroscopy. Which of the following will indicate the reaction is complete? So mm. definitely going to require some outside knowledge because there's nothing in the passage about any of this these IR peaks. Yep. So A is the disappearance of a peak in the 32 to 3500 region, the disappearance of a peak in the 17 to 1750 region, the disappearance of a peak in the 1580 to 1640 region, and the appearance of a peak in the 1700 to 1750 region. Ooh. All right. So immediately the thing that pops out to me is three of them are disappearance and one of them is appearance. So the the thing that's disappearing is that double bond O at the end uh, from the retinol. So the question would be, is that double bond O significant in any of these peaks here? Yeah. Or does the alcohol group uh, at the end now of retinol, the OH at the end, is that significant for the peak, the appearance of the peak in that 1700 to 1750 range? Um, I used to be a savant when it came to uh, um, IR spec, you can just glance at it. And IR, yeah, and NMR, uh, all, all that fun stuff. Like literally, <laughs> we had a we had a lab in in organic chemistry, and uh, the test you you had to be there for like a half an hour 
at least because they didn't want students just to like go, I I'm terrible at these. I give up. Yeah. But I was so good at them. Like I literally was done in like two minutes <laughs> and, <laughs> and they're like, no, you have to stay. I'm like, no, but I'm done. <laughs> like, No, yeah. you, you have to stay. <laughs> so yeah, that was boring. Um, I, I don't know why I was good at those. There was just something about them that clicked. Uh, mm-hmm. but of course at this point, I don't remember any, any of that. Yeah. I talk about that sometimes, like all the stuff that I've forgotten from med school, it's a scary amount of information (laughs) that I've lost. Um, But yeah, so definitely going to require some stuff. I like that you're focusing on either losing the carbonyl, losing that aldehyde Mm. or gaining an alcohol. Um, And so it's got to be one of those two. I think most the the most obvious peak that people can identify in an IR spec is the alcohol. And that's this giant big wide valley somewhere around like 32 to 3500 which is what they're going on for a um the thing is as this reaction is complete we're not losing an alcohol we're gaining it so if a had said gaining that peak then i'm totally on board and i like that one okay um a carbonyl a c double bond o you just want to know that that's around 1700 and so like after you know that then the answer must be um, B, B for that case. Um, when it comes to IR spec, I know a lot of students are, at least in their undergrad, were kind of, you know, like forced to like memorize, be able to identify like sulfonyl groups and sulfates and phosphates and all sorts of crazy stuff, cyano groups. The MCAT typically doesn't do that. The MCAT's more interested in what we're, what we see biologically. So amines, um, alcohols and carbonyls are like at the top of the list. Um, note that those three molecules Amines, alcohols, and carbonyls, those are all found in proteins. They're all found in DNA. And like fatty acids, they have carbonyls and alcohols, but they don't have amines. So like those three things kind of cover a lot of biological molecules. So you want to know that an alcohol is a big wide peak around 32 to 3,500. A carbonyl is around 1,700. That's a C double bond O. And then a an amine, like a CNH, that's going to be somewhere around somewhere around like 3,500, but it's going to be a really sharp peak instead of this big wide one that we see there. I've been able to answer pretty much any MCAT question I've seen on this topic, just knowing those three. So um, if you can just focus on those and make sure you know them pretty well, then that's going to cover your bases when it comes to IR spec. It's a lot easier than what students are used to in undergrad. All right, so there you have it. A fun deep dive into passage six from Blueprint MCAT Full Length One. Remember that Full Length One from Blueprint MCAT is free. If you go to blueprintprep.com, you can go and sign up for all of the free goodies that Blueprint has for you, including their half length diagnostic, their first full length, and much, much more. Again, that's blueprintprep.com to find all of those goodies and you can follow along with us on Full Length One and through this podcast. I hope you have a great week. We'll see you next time here on the MCAT Podcast. This is MedEd Media.